0: Catherine Redmond, come on up. Catherine Redmond is um, part of. We talked uh, to to Vicky last week, and we had a conversation. Vicky works with Michael and Catherine Redmond at Half a Bubble Out Marketing, and all the goodness agency, and uh, here in town. And Catherine is my longtime friend, and um, I love getting to share this stage with my friends, and the truth is I can't preach every single week and make sense, and I know it, and so I would rather make sure that you're getting someone who is really praying, really seeking God, really taking this incredibly serious when I'm not preaching, which is this week, but next week I'm back, so you, whether that's good news or bad news, I'm back in the in the preaching, so Lord, thank you for Catherine Pray that you'd bless her. Thank you for her willingness to serve. Thank you, Lord, how you shape her and that you move in her life as she serves this in this way. Lord, as we look at your word, uh, may you just ha- give us the aha moments, the eyes to see what you're saying and doing. So I bless my friend in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stay for a second.
1: So Andrew said he doesn't like to preach every week because you just get exhausted. But I want to say from... Somebody who doesn't get to do this very often, but it feeds my soul so profoundly when I do. Thank you, thank you for being willing to let other people uh, be in front of your people, and they're my people too. Mm -hmm. But, but thank you. Um, We appreciate you, and we bless you. All right. Oh, tell about the unseen realm, quick. Oh yeah, if you are reading the unseen realm, text um, text unseen to some text number would oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> this is not part of my sermon. Um, so text that number to Andrew, and and Michael and I are going to be part of that. We're going to have a good, fun conversation. Devin, I hope I see you there, because we have lots to talk about. All right. So the first thing I'm going to say, if you know me, is that um, I have handwritten notes, and that should scare you, because I can barely read my own writing and most of you who have received my writing have a hard time reading it. So, um, the message that I want to share with you this morning has been just, Mm. yeah. Um, So I want to look, thank you, I'm going to need that. I want to go ahead and put the first light up. I've got Jennifer in the back, who's my brilliant tech assistant. I want to look a little bit about where we've been in the last year as a church, okay? Because when, when I stand here, when Devin stands here, when Gaylord stands here, when anyone stands here, we're not doing it in a vacuum. We're doing it in a continuum. And I want to point out something that's really, really critical about what's happening now in this season in this church. So... Last fall, 2022, we did this big picture walk through the Bible. Do you remember, like Tammy and, and and Andrew were up here, and we had like props, and some of you got to hold things and do weird stuff, and it was it was an interesting, fun time. And we did this journey through what is this story of the Bible? What is this big picture? So that so that those of you who didn't know had an arc, just a, a sense of like this is the whole story. And here's where those really annoying books like Numbers and Leviticus and all of those things. I'm going to trip over this thing. I know I asked for it, but I'm going to move it. Um, those, like, how do those fit in, right? So we did this huge, essentially a walk-through educational time. And then the next thing we did in January, we got through the holidays, and then we did this inductive Bible study, right? Which is the whole concept of what does it look like to actually be able to dig in and learn the word for yourself, so Andrew mentioned earlier, and um, some of you weren't here yet because you run late like I do a lot, and you miss the announcements, but if you, um, if you come just Sunday mornings, then, then what you're getting is this morsel, this little tiny piece of, of food, and, and I, I got to tell you, it is not going to sustain you. You need a full meal And you have access to this incredible word of God that allows you to feed yourself. And as a church body, what you're going to hear from me this morning is I am pleading with you. Learn to feed yourself because it matters for all of us. Okay? So we did this inductive Bible study, learning how to study the Bible for yourself. And part of that was because you can We might say it again, but it turns out there's this amazing verse in Romans 8 that says, you have the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead living in you. Don't tell me you can't read your Bible. Don't tell me you don't have the capacity to understand what's happening in your Bible. You have access to a genius. Turns out he knows everything and he's absolutely happy to share it with you. You just got to get in there and eat. Okay. Oh, gosh, I'm starting too soon. Okay. Yeah. And then we moved into this still small voice in the spring of 2023, and we did this whole series on what does it look like to learn for yourself to hear the voice of God? Because again, you can. Because you have the same access to the Spirit as I do. It doesn't mean we have the same training, doesn't mean we have the same education, doesn't mean any of that, but you know what? The Holy Spirit used a bunch of disciples who were fishermen who didn't know anything. And he used Paul, who was a scholar, and he used everything in between. So you know what? These trainings that we've been going through, they're not just because Andrew needs a series. Let's do this. I mean, they are because as a body, as a local church body here in this community, we have work to do. And the only way we're going to get that work done is if we're all playing. If we're all on the team. If we're all doing our part. That's the call on the body of Christ. And it is your call and it is my call. I could probably just stop now, but I'm not going to, because I prepared some stuff. Let me pray, though, because I got got a lot of stuff going on in my body, and I have handwritten notes. So, Jesus, (laughs) um, God, I have been asking for weeks, what is it that you want to say to this body? What is it that you, in this moment, in this time, in this place, Brought these folks into this building and online, wherever they are, to hear today because you're a God of intention. And we are here because you have us here for this moment. So, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, would you do you in this body this morning? Would you get me out of the way, speak what you want to speak, help me curate the beautiful pieces of artwork that are in your word? in a way that speaks, and in a way that we are actually transformed so that, as Andrew said earlier, we don't just come to church and walk away unchanged. Holy Spirit, don't let that be this morning, and we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, next slide. (laughs) The good news is it's only 10 slides. The bad news is because, you know, I don't have a clear path. Okay. This quote, many of you know it. Many of you have heard it over and over again. This is is a life-shaping quote for me. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Said a different way, your relationship with god your understanding of who he is and who you are is the defining reality of everything else in your life it is the it is the thing what comes into your mind when you think about god your understanding of his character his nature his ways how he operates in the world what comes into your mind is he good is he powerful does he know me? Those things that happen when you turn your attention to God define everything else in your life. I have this very old, it's older than I am, just so you know, um, a little thing called the Heidelberg Catechism. And, and there's a, a verse, or a, it's a QA. If you know me, you've already heard this a dozen or more times. But I have a meditation, a, 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 a a daily thing that I say that captures this sense. And it is this, the question, this is a QA format catechism. I learned it when I was, I don't know, six. Um, The question is, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sin delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. All things have to serve my salvation. And it finishes by saying, and therefore by his Holy Spirit he also assures me of eternal life and makes me eternally ready and willing henceforth to live unto him. Now that's a mouthful. But that, that phrase, that question-answer pair captures the essence of what my life is. And, and the, the piece of it that is so profound to me over and over again is everything must serve my salvation. That is the crowning defining reality of why I'm on this planet. Everything has to serve my salvation. So, slide person, Jennifer, thank you. <laughs> She's amazing. She's like, Do you want to control it? Or I'm like, I like to be in control, but I probably shouldn't be. Uh, probably not wise. God's daily target for you is the renewing of your mind. God's daily target for you is to learn to think the way that he thinks to process your life through the the grid that he has and that he's processing your life through. If you go to the next slide, oh, by the way, before you change slides, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's daily target for you is the renewing of your mind. He wants you to think his thoughts, to learn his ways. Go ahead and put the next slide up. We're going to camp on this slide for a long time, so don't panic that Jennifer's not paying attention. Two verses. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is Romans 12. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. That, that is the defining passage alongside this other little tidbit that really is a, by the way... 1 Corinthians 2, and this is where I've been asking this question, what does this actually mean? What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. What? And then later on the passage, it goes on to say, we have the mind of Christ. And I've been asking, Lord, what? I don't feel like I have your mind. What? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? We have the mind of Christ. Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit who's revealing to us treasure after treasure after treasure if we're just willing to look. The reason that God's daily target is the transformation of your mind, the renewing of your mind, is because when your mind is renewed to think his thoughts, your life is renewed, it renews your family, it challenges your workplace, it challenges the community and ultimately the world. This is a big deal. And let me just clarify something. Christianity is not called the understanding. It's called the faith, right? So I'm not saying your mind is more important. I'm saying that your mind needs, the faith needs tracks to run in. And so what, what renewing your mind does is it gives faith the, the tracks to run in because you have access to, to, to what the Spirit is saying. And you have access through the Word. And you know What? Daily transformation, daily renewing of your mind is quite a journey, isn't it? Those of you who've been on it longer than I have, it's a journey. It doesn't happen like what happens every day, but it doesn't always happen well. We don't always do well. We don't always think Jesus' thoughts. Anyone in here got it 100%? 90? 80? Never mind. I won't make you stand. We don't always think Jesus' thoughts. We know it. We know it, and we'll talk a little bit about why it's so challenging in a minute, but but understand that for the moment, all distractions aside, you have access, just like I do, just like Andrew does. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't know, I think it was July 23rd, my friend Devin preached and I was already being wrecked by this, and I'm reading the unseen realm, and never mind that. But when we were done, I was, I, I was like, Lord, we are so being called as a body to rise up and understand that our lives are not just for ourselves. We are not just about ourselves and our family and our little world. There is so much more going on, it's so big. And it's so cool. And it's, I mean, scary maybe, but no, nah, because as it turns out, the guy who like created the whole thing, he's on my team. No, I'm on his, let's just correct that. I'm like, no, I am not saying he's lucky to have me. I'm just, that, wa- that wasn't how that was supposed to go. <laughs> we win the battle, right? So if ultimately the end game is new heavens and new earth, we win. But the journey to get there, the renewing of our mind, this concept that we have the mind of Christ and we we need to be stepping into what it means to think at God's thoughts, what it means to journey with him. And part of the reason it's hard for us, by the way, is because we are not process people. We like the outcome right? We like the end game. We like the solution. We like the breakthrough. We'd like it to be instant if possible. And if I have to pay money to get there, I'll do it. But as it turns out, it doesn't usually work that way. Because God's about the process. He's about making sure that when you get that breakthrough, that there's enough truth in your mind to hang on to it. That it doesn't just get replaced by more lies and more junk. the story of the seven demons that got driven out in the New Testament. There's, there's, a, there's a profound message in there. Guys demonized. The demons get cast out, but it's an empty house. It's a parable Jesus told. And after those are cast out, like to double, triple something, I didn't read up on this text, like a whole bunch more came because there was nothing to replace it. So when, when Paul... Is saying, and and, and it starts, the the passage starts, I urge you, brethren, I urge you in view of God's mercy, in view of everything he's done for you, that you present your body a living sacrifice, which by the way, is the only practical response, I think is how the message puts it. It's the reasonable response to what God did. (laughs) You present your body. Be transformed. Don't, con- don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can approve what the will of God is. Now, what does that mean, to approve the will of God? Think of it like this. You're, uh, you're an art curator, and somebody brings to you a piece of art that they think is genuine. Like, they're like, this is, I think this might be, An original, unseen, I don't know, Van Gogh. I'm not an art person. And and, and it could be worth like tons of money. And your job as the art curator is to study that. To understand the brush strokes. Because you're so educated, you already know some of the elements of what makes a Van Gogh a Van Gogh. And so you study it, you look at it, you take it apart, you carbon date it, you do all the things. So that... When at the end of the day, you can, you can approve, yes, this is genuine or no, this is a fake. We have to have our minds renewed so that as we're looking at the different things that are coming along, we can test, is this God or is this a fake? Does that make sense? test and approve what the will of God is how do you like part of doing that there's kind of areas of understanding like I talked about understanding God's nature how does God do things do you ever read a story in, in the Bible and just be like what was that about I don't understand so one of my favorite stories is in the book of I think it's in First Kings chapter 6 and it's Elisha and he has this you know sidekick prophet. Elisha's a prophet in Israel. He's got a sidekick. And the king, the Arameans are in battle against Israel. And every time the Arameans start to, like, they know where they're going to go to set up camp and go after the Israelites, God tells Elisha what that's going to be. And he tells the king of Israel and the king of Israel repositions. And the, the king of the Arameans is just hacked. How does this keep happening? He's like, you know, he feels like he's got a traitor in the camp, right? <laughs> he's looking for who am I gonna, who am I gonna hang? So he says to his army, Go, like, what's happening? And they say, Well, there's this guy, and he just somehow he knows. Well, let's find that guy and stop him. So they go, and one morning, Elisha and his servant wake up, and his servant runs out to get him breakfast, a breakfast burrito at the truck. And there's a blaze an army. The army and army is like parked outside his front door. Servant goes back in and goes, um, there's a problem. There's like really a bunch of, they don't, and they're looking for you. Elisha goes, ah, don't worry about it. There's more with us than them. And the servant goes, "Well, There's a lot of them and there's two of us. So you don't know how to count. And Elisha prays to God that he would open the servant's eyes. And when he does, the servant sees this myriad of angel armies. He goes, okay. And then the story goes on, and it's really weird. Like, they, they say, are you Elisha? And he says, no, but I know where he is. Well, I'll show you. And he leads them on this little track, and he, they just follow him all over the country, and he wears them out. And then they get to this place where literally Israel could take him, and... His servant says, "Shall we kill him? And he goes, "Nah, let's feed him breakfast and send him home. And he did. And there was peace between the Arameans and the Israelites for the next, like, 40 years. Now that, my friends, is some weird strategy. Right? Now, why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because there are strategies that God wants to show us, that are in his word, strategies for peace, strategies for how you conduct yourself, strategies for understanding how to walk through whatever it is that you're in. And I'm not saying you're going to open your Bible and it's going to say, well, at this meeting you should blah, blah, blah. No. But the principles of how you function and how you approach and how you walk, and how you interact. I mean, we had this meeting on Friday with a a client, and I was really struggling. Like, Lord, I have some really hard things to tell this guy about his team. We're doing some leadership assessment stuff, and I don't know what to do. I need strategy. And the Lord gave me a strategy. This is how you walk it through. And it was so powerful, and I got this message from him yesterday, emailed me and just said, thank you so much That was so revelatory, and I have known what I needed to do forever, and now I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay, that is God showing up because the principle for me going into that was I want to love this guy well. I want to deliver this news in a way that leaves him with hope because that's the Jesus way, right? So God's desire is that you would study his word. You would would dive in and read stuff and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what's going on there because he wants you to know how he thinks. The parables are there because Jesus wanted to train his disciples and us. This is how the kingdom works. And some of them are really confusing. So great, let's have conversations about them. But here's the thing. If you say to me, Catherine, I... I mean, I try to read my Bible, but I can't remember what I read. Well, you know what? I don't know what I had for breakfast last Tuesday, but it still nourished me. But Lord, but when I, when I pray, I fall asleep. Okay, well, I never got mad at Jennifer falling asleep in my arms. I mean, come on. You have the Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwelling in you. There are no excuses. There is, however, another side to the story, right? So next slide. So while God's daily target is to absolutely transform your mind, as it turns out, the enemy's target is the exact opposite. It is to distract you from living in that renewed mind. How good is the enemy at his job? He is pretty good. How often do we help him? Oh, regularly. Oh, regularly. Next slide. This is our reality. Ephesians says put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, schema, mind. This is mind wars. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm sorry, folks. Welcome to the jungle. Your life is in a battle. That is the lay of the land. I said earlier: the good news is we're gonna win. The end game is already set, but the journey through and the role that you get to play in it is so big and so important right alongside being so small. (laughs) It's this weird paradox. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, though we live in the world, we don't wage wars, the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I will tell you that it is difficult to take a thought captive to the obedience of Christ if you don't know what Christ thinks about it. This is identity 101. There are lies that you believe about who you are and about who God is that are absolutely not true because they're lies. (laughs) Uncovering those lies, reading, talking with people, all the things that we do to understand what isn't true is really critical. Some of you believe lies that come from your childhood, all the way back. And as a dear friend of ours in Atlanta says, children are great recorders of information, but they are lousy interpreters. So children interpret what something means, and it is not about that. And they take that into the rest of their lives, and they allow it to define them. They're trapped by it. God's goal is to get that stuff out of you. And if you go back to Ephesians 6, what's so interesting about this battle that we're in, it talks about putting on the full armor of God, And there are sermons to be had on the full armor of God, right? But I want to focus on just one tiny piece of that armor. And it is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What's interesting to me about this particular piece of armor in the the armada of the armor and the helmet and the shield, shield of faith, all this, or helmet of salvation, shield of faith. Okay, here's the thing the sword is not an offensive weapon particularly. It's not something that you're going out there slashing with. It's actually this little dagger. And the whole purpose of that dagger in, in the makeup of the armor was so that when something got past the shield and gotcha, you, you would have something to dig it out with. Because as it turns out, things make it through. And, the word of God is the weapon with which we dig out the lies that make it through. If you don't know the word, if you don't know what God says, you don't have a very good mechanism. Your dagger is going to be dull, right? You can't take a thought captive and make it obedient to Christ without asking him, what, what, does, what should this thought be? It isn't true. What should it be? And so we come together, and we sing, and we pray, and we talk, and we, and we remind each other that God, God does crazy stuff. Right? So we prayed earlier in in the service for those of you who feel like you're against this impossible situation. You're like, you know, and, and even a song, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Like, we've been doing this a lot. Did I mention God likes the process? Likes the journey. One of my favorite passages, and I'm going to read this to you. I actually was going to read a whole bunch, but you will. We didn't know how this was going to go, so. Um, Isaiah. Love Isaiah. So one of my favorite passages is out of Isaiah 41. I'm just going to read this to you. It says, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. That's timely. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights, springs, within the valleys. I'll turn the desert into pools of water, the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert, that wasteland, that place of impossibility. I will put the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the olive. I'll set pines in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. Okay, so God of the impossible. But here's the verse. So that, so that, People may see and know and consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. You want to know sometimes why he doesn't solve stuff quickly? Because part of his process, part of his, his message to the world is you continuing to press forward through that thing. And when you get breakthrough, you know, you know that the hand of the Lord did it, that the Holy One of Israel created it. There is no doubt in your mind and you are positioned for the rest of people to go like, oh, Michael and I recently moved. And those of you who know us, we had a three bed, one bath for 24 years and a lot of you spent some time in it and we we moved and and it was a it's an amazing ridiculously stupid blessing of a house like one has no words for this home that we live in and i will tell you that those of you who've walked with us you know yes we've stewarded yes we've been wise yes we've made good decisions but the hand of the lord has done this we're there for a season for a time because There's a mission to be accomplished in that place. It isn't just a change of address so we could have a nicer view. And we do. Trust me. But that's not why. God's doing what he's doing so that. As Michael and I battle business stuff, like there's places where it's like, are we ever going to get breakthrough? it's just like, and places we've had an amazing breakthrough and we have to remember and then look and go okay god there's a lot going on here the enemy wants to thwart it you're going to win our job is to keep our minds renewed and keep believing what it is that you say so that we don't get weary on the assignment you have for us i i tire faster than michael i need more reminding I need more renewing. So God's plan is to renew our minds every day. The enemy has the exact opposite agenda. And he will use social media. He will use the news. He will use every avenue possible to distract you from choosing to do the thing that's going to put you in the presence of God and allow you to get your mind renewed. And I'm telling you people, you have to fight for it. But I'm a mom. You know what? Come home, look at the kids, put them in front of a TV show. I need 15 minutes alone in the bathroom to be with Jesus. I mean, husbands, wives, you got to encourage each other to do this. You got to make the space because we have to be still. We have to be undistracted, and it can't all happen here. God's daily target for you is the renewal of your mind. The enemy's daily target is to distract, discourage, and stop you from chasing after what it looks like to have the mind of Christ, to think his thoughts, to have his strategies to be able to look at a relational situation and be like, show me what you want me to do. He has the answers. Okay, next slide. So I feel really passionate about this subject, partly because, as it turns out, what you do affects me. What you choose to pursue or not pursue has an impact on my life. You may not know it. You're like, I've never even talked to you. I don't know who you are. Well, you know what? We're part of the same body. Next slide. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So (laughs) speaking the truth in love, I'm trying to be loving. I hope I'm being loving. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part. 2 Corinthians 12, maybe 1 Corinthians 12, that might be a typo. I did that real fast this morning. Never mind the two, it's a one. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts are from one body, so it is with Christ. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So it is really important that you understand that in in this culture that we live in, in this Western individualistic society that we are bought into and need to get bought out of, You are not an island. Nothing that you do impacts only you. Nothing that's happening in your private world impacts only you. Nothing that's happening in my private world impacts only me. So when we are living in places that we need not be living and we are trafficking our minds in places we ought not be trafficking, We are affecting each other. But Catherine, I'm just I'm nobody. No, you're not nobody. You're not nobody. You were purchased by Jesus. You were deemed worthy by him to walk this journey, to be on, on his in his army. And to the degree that, that you're falling down, we're busy helping you up. The more we're all up and moving together, the more powerful this army becomes. The more able we become as a church to start making an impact in this city. And having people go, I want to know what's going on there. Because you know what? I've been at this church a really long time. Andrew's been at this church a really long time. Some of you have been here longer. Some of you have been here longer than I've been alive, and I congratulate you. I have held a hope for this church for decades. I remember when it was full. I remember when we were doing the Melody Years and Orchestra and this building wasn't built. I remember those days. I remember feeling that impact of this alive and vibrant congregation, and we've been in and out of seasons, and we have made an impact. We are 59 years in. Well, I'm telling you what, I'm like 57, and I think like 59. You got a lot of life left in you, church. Let's get some stuff done. There are things that God has planted for this church to do. And as one of the, the leaders of, of this church in some fashion, that was more formal earlier, but the fact of the matter is we need you. And we, we are so passionate about you being transformed, having your minds renewed, learning what the, the truth is to combat all of the crap, pardon my French, coming at us all the time. What does God say about X, Y, Z. What does God say? What are his strategies? What does it look like to engage with the fruit of the Spirit? What does it look like to take the conflict and realize that my call in my life is to walk in a place of peace and love and joy and hope? Hmm? What does that look like? Because here's the thing. The enemy the enemy doesn't always just show himself ugly. In fact, he more often shows himself as an angel of light. So the challenge we have and the reason we have to pay attention and and ask the spirit questions and and be in this journey all the time is because his wisdom, the world, worldly wisdom, it, it it doesn't look stupid. I am going to read you this one other passage because it's kind of burning in my soul at the minute, so we'll assume that's the spirit, not just me. It's out of James. Uh, I can find it, I marked all these places, you'd think I could find it easy, it didn't help. James, chapter three. If you wanna journey and process, read James chapter three. The first part of it is called the taming of the tongue. Starts out with not many of you should presume to be teachers. <laughs> That's a good time. Um, You'll be judged more strictly. Good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we love that when we teach. Further in in the passage, two kinds of wisdom. It starts with verse 13. Let me read this to you. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, full of good fruit. I learned it in a different version, so I can't read that one. Okay, catch this. Part of what James is telling us is wisdom, worldly wisdom, earthly demonic wisdom, doesn't always look like it's off base. So if you're holding an offense and you're angry about something that happened to you, let's use this as an example because it's real easy. Have you ever met anyone who didn't have a good reason for being angry? Who couldn't justify why they were offended? Who couldn't explain to you why it's not their fault and, and this person should be held accountable and, but they're holding bitterness and anger. Such wisdom is not from heaven. It is earthly. It is demonic. It is the enemy wanting you to think in a way that is not the renewed mind. And it happens all the time all of us. I mean, I'm having a conversation with a friend and I asked her if I could share this, no names. And she said to me at the end of a lovely time we were having together, by the way, I think we really need to talk about this thing that happened. And it's something that happened here at the church like 20 years ago. And I think we need to, you know, have this conversation because there's a lot of people who are hurt and angry. And I, I just kind of looked at her and I go, do we though? Do we really have to have a conversation? Or do we just need to ask the question, when are you going to lay that down? Because we can't fix it. We can't undo it. No amount of saying we're sorry changes it. The only thing left is the matter between you and God called forgiveness so that you can get out of this bitter, angry cycle and have your mind renewed. Because when we're walking with Jesus, we're choosing not to take offense, not to camp there. Yea, though I walk through, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't camp. And on the other side, by the way, field of enemies, really cranky guys trying to kill you. There's a banquet. You just sit down. God's going to take care of you. There's a reason that Paul referred to the enemy's work as schemes. And we have to, people, we have to know that it is the best thing for your soul to release offense and bitterness. And it, it's just, it's not, it's not helping anyone. And we can't walk together healthy as a body if we're holding on to that kind of stuff. Sometimes we need help, we gotta talk it out with a counselor, we gotta figure it out. I invite you to do that. We all need people to ask us questions. We're not smart enough to ask ourselves. But you got to let it go. They're not off God's hook. That's a whole nother sermon, right? Not going there. Okay. I just wanted to illustrate how wily the enemy can be. And it happens to all of us. And we think we're being wise. We're not. God's agenda, his daily target for you is the renewing of your mind. The enemy's daily target for you is to pull you away from that. And every one of us is part of the body of Christ. What you do affects me. What I do affects you. I urge you, I plead with you by the mercies of God be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You guys have hung with me a long time. I'd love to do one exercise with you with permission. Is that all right? Andrew, is that all right, boss? Yep. Okay. Go ahead and go to the next slide. There are a ton of promises in Scripture. I just listed a few of my favorites. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's the beginning of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. My peace I leave with you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me. I'm a big fan of that one. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a strong mind. You have everything you need for life and godliness. These are just a few. What I'd like you to do for the next, I'm going to give us, two minutes. I want you to just look at the one that jumps out at you the most. That's like, this is the thing I need. And I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to repeat that phrase just quietly to yourself over and over again. Just next two minutes. Go. Cool. What you just did is simple meditation, biblical style. To meditate is to murmur, to repeat, to to dwell on a truth. So there are a lot of different ways, and I don't have time to get into all of them. There are a lot of ways that we are positioned for growth. One of them is that quiet, finding that place where there's something that you're struggling with, asking the Lord, taking a verse. I don't care if you spend three months on one verse. The goal of the renewing of your mind is that the truths of God, the promises that he has given, the ways that we are supposed to live become cellular for you so that they become the first thought you have. Or if not the first... Very shortly afterwards, I'm freaking out right now. Oh, you will keep in perfect peace, he whose mind is stayed on you. One element, if you just go to the next slide. This is just a very quick visual journal, be with humans. We are not meant to go this alone, right? Read your word, worship learn the truths through the songs. One of my favorite songs, you guys, I I, want to make sure I say this because like Bev Stansbury will appreciate me. One of my favorite things is this old, old hymn that goes through my mind on a regular basis. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. I love this phrase. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. This phrase. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Right? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have these amazing tools, amazing gifts, amazing opportunities. Spirit of Christ Jesus. Raise Christ Jesus from the dead. Lives in you. Tap in. Tap in. Think up. This is just an app. If you are an app person... One of, the, one, of the, one of the things that I have done this year, cause you know, we, we never get too old to have to be continuously retraining our mind. And one of the things that I've done is I was really struggling earlier in the year with just just fighting, just battling really hard against some things. And uh, my friend said, have you ever tried this app? And what it does is it'll, it has a bunch of affirmations in it. It's, there's hundreds of them out there. But this one allows you to record your own. So what I've done is I've taken it and I have recorded the core truths of my life into this app and then I listen to it because when I'm hearing myself speak truth over me, it does something. So I have my Heidelberg Catechism in there. I have the the core truths of who I want to be and who God has said I am in this app. And I, and I, I listen to it just about every day. So it's just one way, right? To to be retraining, renewing your mind with what the truth is. I think I have to be done. It's super late. I'm so sorry. Let me pray for you. Prayer team, come down. Um, stand with me. <laughs> I just want you to hold your hands out. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. But if when you're done, you just know that you need someone to to walk with in this place, someone to minister to you today, come forward. Let some of these folks pray for you. Your mind is so important to God or it wouldn't be worth renewing. So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we receive the mind of Christ. Say it after me. We receive the mind of Christ. We receive the grace of Christ. To see the way you see, to think the way you think, to represent you in the world the power of your spirit. Amen.
0: Yes, may you go in peace and may your mind be transformed today as you think about these things. We'll see you next week.